are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. My name is Colin Austin, and my co-host is the Santa of Scooters, carrying a jolly smile and a tote full of UCE, that's the ultimate customer experience, to make all the college kids' transportation dreams come true, Michael D. That's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? <laughs> it is, man. It's December 2nd. We even got the decorations going. We got the going. decorations. We are oh, juiced for the holiday holidays. Swag. We are yeah. ready to go. Absolutely. How are things in your world, man? Dude, it's going well. Uh, buckling down last quarter, last, uh, last second sprint as we Last finish out month. the year yeah it's crazy it's it's crazy that 2019's almost done yes it's wild like, it i mean i feel by. like you say that every year right like oh this year went by so fast but like this year was a blink and done it was it went by really, but, really quick so yeah. you have plans for holidays or what man i don't have any personal plans right now I'll spend excellent some, yeah Get back to work. i was gonna say i don't i'll spend some time <laughs> with my folks but I, I got a lot of work ahead of me to uh to worry about here so i haven't booked any vacations or anything yeah we got to start getting ready for 2020 goal planning yeah. looking at the numbers reevaluating all that fun stuff you do anything uh, with uh, yeah. shannon and the kids or um, you got an anniversary in december too i do Happy anniversary! <laughs> but I was gonna, I'll say that for a later one because it's December twenty second. Um, but yeah, yeah, anniversary coming up. Uh, well, I, I don't know what we're doing. It's always like tossing with family, family. You know, usually we celebrate Thanksgiving one year with Shannon's family. Shannon knows what you're doing. And, yeah, she she yeah. knows. So <laughs> that's she, what's she important. absolutely knows. But um, look, I want to tell everybody some things that are going on in our world here in Gainesville, and the most important of them all. Is that I am co-hosting? <laughs> I am co-hosting the 2019 Greater Gainesville Chamber Business of the Year Awards. Um, I have an amazing co-host, Vicky Guy. She's going to be up there with me. You know, she has her own podcast. They're like, oh, let's get some podcasters up on stage or something. Apparently, it was it's so, premeditated. <laughs> yeah, it's premeditated. So she has a leadership-focused po- uh, podcast called Ignite Stories of Leadership. I saw it earlier today on YouTube. Um, really, really good. So I'm excited to be co-hosting with her. Um, so, but look, this is on Wednesday of this week, December 4th, okay? So if you haven't gotten your tickets and you wanna come and you wanna see me on stage, making a fool of myself, having a really great time, um, you you know, buy your tickets now. <laughs> Get your last minute tickets now. Um, the event's from 5.30 to 8.30 at the UF Hilton. Uh, I. I did it last year with Carly Marhefko. We had an amazing time. I, I got such great feedback on how excellent it was and how entertaining it was. Um, which you know, I always, always try to bring a little bit of that entertainment value, you know. <laughs> Uh, but it was, you're it was a, a good time. You're a ham when you get on stage. <laughs> it, was, it was a good time. I like to be on stage. Yeah, yeah man. So, um, But why don't you tell everybody some, uh, about uh, Kickstarter that's going on here in the yeah, area. Yeah, I got a little plug I wanted to throw. So, I mean, I'm a big hot sauce fan. I used to have even like a, a sriracha keychain that I kept on me. I'm a big hot sauce fan. But we've got a local uh, company here, uh, Florida, Florida Man's Lunacy Hot Sauce, a.k.a. FML Hot Sauce, which is <laughs> which is just brilliant. Latest concept from Hogtown Seasonings, LLC. Uh, like I said, they're based, based out of here in Gainesville, Florida. They specialize in heat and flavors fresh from the area. We've all heard the Florida Man stories. This sauce is just what you would expect from a lunatic Floridian, a robust hot sauce that adds flavor and not just hot for the sake of being hot. And yeah, we just wanted to give them a little plug. They just started a Kickstarter trying to get some funding as they roll this out. So uh, Yeah, and that was actually, I mean, I actually, uh, he brought 
brought me a bottle. I haven't tried it yet. I, like I should have tried it before I got on. But it, but he brought me a bottle, um, Jason. So thank you very much for that. And but like I was like, oh, you know, uh, when's your Kickstarter in? Because if this episode airs before then, then we'll give it a little plug. Maybe you get a few more sure, bottles yeah. sold. You know, so anything that we can do to help a local startup get their funding on a Kickstarter, you guys go look them up. Um, Florida Man's Lunacy Hot Sauce FML and, <laughs> and that's uh, funny. And buy a bottle. I mean, like I did. It was twelve. It was twelve bucks, uh, and that was with shipping and everything look mm-hmm. like to buy a bottle support a kickstarter support a local startup i mean it's awesome so uh so do it yeah hot sauce. <laughs> so are you ready to get into the show yeah i'm so excited Dude, i'm excited too because i you know we got to be careful not to let this go into like shop talk mode too much but you guys today on the show we have kevin lydell president of of Gainesville Harley Davidson, a good friend of mine, uh, a company that I admire a ton, and I'm always like picking their brains on the things that they're doing on the motorcycle side of the business. And dude, what's up, man? Welcome what's to our on? show. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm super excited to have you here. I'm like over here, like dripping in sweat right now because <laughs> bad I, time for the AC to AC, go out. Yeah, our AC <laughs> is like kind of going out. And yeah, I swear like, it's working all day. <laughs> so if you see mm. a bead of sweat mm. on my, you know, face for the first time, um, that's why. But um, dude, welcome, welcome to our show, man. Thank you, man. Um, you know, one one thing that I wanted to do before we really got into it, something that Kevin and I have been super passionate about, um, and actually Kevin invited me to be to participate on a public service announcement that you did um, for a radio ad, uh, radio PSA yeah. about helmets. Yep. And, and so we, we're really, really, really into helmet safety. Um, and you, and I know you are too. I don't want to, I don't want to leave <laughs> Mike. Me out. I don't want to leave Mike. Keep, keep leaving Mike out. Mike's passionate about helmet safety too. Um, but you know, we have a special team member who is extra extra, extra motivated to get more helmets on heads. I met her when she was a student at the University of Florida and um, built a relationship with her. She came uh, to work with us here at New Scooters for Less, which has been a a blessing and I'm excited to have, but I thought this would be a great opportunity Mm -hmm. just to have her kind of come on and and talk a little bit about this passion for helmet safety um, and just spend a couple minutes doing that before we get into the meat of our show. So, So let me introduce her. All right, where's my, do I have a formal introduction here? You do. Okay, so Jessica Modric, is that, did I say it right? How did I say it? Modrak. 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 Dude, see, I told, like I can't even pronounce my own team members' names. I just call her Jess. Uh, That's what she is to me, Jess. But she is our very own queen of culture here at New Scooters for Less. So, so Jess, come over here. Jump on, jump on the mic really, really quick, and and let's dive into this just just a minute. Um, so like. Hey. Hey, Hi. Hi. How are you? Sorry I butchered your last name. That's a common theme. We we thought it was going to end up happening anyway. It's a common common theme around here. I do that a lot. Yeah. Um, I prepared for it. But so when did I first meet you? I think it was sophomore year. I reached out to you and asked if we could talk about helmet safety and just a little bit about uh, what you guys do here at New Scripts for Less in order to emphasize helmet safety to new riders. Um, so you were like super awesome and let me come and actually like sit right over there in that chair. And we talked for like almost an hour about like different things that you guys have done in order to encourage it amongst students. And you even like let me in to hear about some of your different business ideas in order to just like grow new scooters for less and get more people on scooters and um, to encourage safety that way too. So that was 
a while, a long time ago. Like not not recent at all. Yeah, and in fact, like I remember, like was it 2017? We did that huge campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did a campaign where we like had. I mean, as long as people came in and signed a pledge that they were going to wear a helmet, we gave them the helmet. Yeah, and didn't you and, have the UF jumped on board with you, right? As far um, as the college, no, um, they had actually kind of done their own thing, and we kind of piggybacked on on what they were doing because gotcha. I was like, oh, this is great. The university is really pushing helmet safety, so like let's let's help them. Right. Um, and so so that's when we were like, all right, during our busiest quarter of the year, we're gonna we're gonna commit mm-hmm. to doing this, and we created these pledges and and had you know students sign them, and we gave away free helmets. And I think you know it's and you can correct me. I mean, still it's it's a challenge, right? We see students driving around all the time with no helmets on, so. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, I mean, what are the types of things that, that you have done or that you want to, I, I don't know, just what's, what's your spiel yeah. <laughs> when it comes to helmet safety? Yeah, so it's really cool because when I uh, first applied to work here at New Scooters for Less, I applied for the job that I wanted, not the job that you guys were offering. Um, and I came forth with like this whole proposal and all these different things that I wanted to do in order to encourage helmet safety um, from like this business's perspective, since you guys interact with so many different customers who um like are riding around every single day without protection um and i think it's really important to continue to educate students on really the importance of protecting their head um they're here getting an education and really any minor slip up, even if it isn't their fault, could really be the difference between life and death. Um, so I do have a couple of like plans moving forward now as like di- the director of culture here at New Scooters for Less that I'm really excited to roll out. A lot of it has to do with customer engagements and kind of just rebranding the whole perception of helmets. So I'm really excited to actually have Kevin here today to hear like how um, you guys have really like handled helmet safety on the motorcycle aspect, because uh, scooters are slightly different than motorcycles in terms of like how much power they have and uh, like the the severity of um, like trauma in which you could be exposed to if you are in uh, an accident. So uh, I was very curious to hear about your guys' perspective on it. Yeah, you guys, I mean, do you guys share the same challenge that we share when it comes to actually getting helmets on heads or? Yeah, I mean, you know, when Florida passed the law, whenever they did it, um, you know, the it was five, 10 years ago that you don't have to wear a helmet, you know, if you have enough insurance and all that. And, you know, it's hard to get somebody that doesn't want to wear one to wear one. So, you know, the big goal is to get somebody that's new into the sport that, you know, to make sure that they understand the uh, safety acts aspect of it and, you know, what it means to, to protect yourself. I mean, I don't think most people ride around uh, in a car without wearing a seatbelt, and so it's it's the same thing as riding, whether it's scooter or motorcycle, you know, wearing a helmet. Yeah, if you can make it hab- like habit, really, you just need to make it habit, mm-hmm. um, which has been which has been challenging. I mean, it's funny because like we've we work with the university police department a lot, and mm-hmm. we give them helmets, right? Absolutely. We're just like, hey, give them helmets, and it's funny because uh, uh, I just remember they've told me several times, uh, hey, like you know, what tends to happen is somebody gets into like a slight little fender bender or something enough to scare them and we pull out the helmet out of the trunk and say, okay, now will, will you, you wear, wear this? It <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, like I'll wear that now, you know? And, and you know, it's unfortunate that that's what it takes, but I think you're right. Like it's kind of a perception thing. We kind of have to change this perception a little bit. You know, I always tell people when we actually started getting into scooters, like scooters, people actually thought scooters were dorky, like students did. Right. Students were like, no mom, no dad, I'm not gonna be caught dead mom, on that. Mom and dad were trying to talk <laughs> their son or daughter into getting one. Yeah, 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 like parents were trying to like, exactly, I mean, that's that was 
was happening in the early yeah. days and 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 now that perception's completely changed so i know we're continuously racking our brains on and that that is a big perception though too what you put across is wearing a helmet you know it's not cool you don't look as cool and you know that they make some really cool helmets and obviously just like anything uh they've come a long way to where you know there's some really cool looking helmets that still protect you and you know are functional there's a lot that you know might look cool that aren't functional but there's quite a few that are you know and i mean i i, I think you look better with a helmet myself so yeah well jess thanks so much for like the you know the just the work that you're really putting in to ensuring that our students are being safe and really all two-wheeled riders are doing, you know, to be safe. Uh, we appreciate it. You know, a lot of people know our core value number 11 is to serve a higher purpose, and I think you do an exemplary job of that. So I just wanted to say thank you for all your hard work in doing that, and thanks for coming on and doing this little this little PSA with us. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Yeah, so, I really appreciate it. I love the shirt, it. too. The hashtag helmet yeah. hair is yeah, hot. Yeah, she has a hashtag oh, helmet nice. hair is hot Trust shirt. to impress. There you so, go. <laughs> thank you awesome. so much. Thanks, guys. Appreciate thank it. You, Jess. Thank You're you. amazing. And and Kevin, so you know, we like to get in we, oh, man, we like to start with the stories. All right. We like to <laughs> You know what's so funny cuz like I'm just thinking about this, right? And, and I'm really curious to hear because so many people that I meet, they go, "So Colin, like did you did you grow up in like the, you know, in in a dealership?" You know, I think a, <laughs> I think the thought process is very much like, "Hey, this person like grew up around motorcycles right. or grew up around scooter, grew up around dealerships and this, right. that's why they're in it." And I'm like, "Hell no, dude." Like <laughs> I just saw I just saw a transportation problem at the University of right. Florida and wanted to fix it. Right. Um, so how about you? Did you did you grow up in a dealership? I <laughs> uh, <laughs> know. What's, no, what's I your mean, story? Not really. Uh, so my father did have a motorcycle pretty much ever since I was born. I think there was a, a, a time when we actually moved here to open the dealership that he had to sell his bike in order to have money to start the dealership and all that. So we moved here in between me being fifth and sixth grade, opened in February of 93. So we're going on. Where'd you guys come from? Uh, so Northeast Ohio is where my parents are from. That's where I was born. We actually lived in Detroit about for three years before we moved here. And just like, let's just go to Gainesville? Oh, my, my, <laughs> my dad's military, he okay. was a corporate pilot. Um, again, a Harley enthusiast, you know, his whole life. He bought his first bike when he was, first Harley. I don't want to say bike, because it was a Harley, and that's all he, he ever owned was Harleys. Uh, when he was 15 years old, and, you know, again, that's just, when we were in Detroit, he was a, a corporate pilot, and he wanted to work for himself. And, you know, back in those days, I was really before Harley kind of blew up to where it is today. and. Um, had the opportunity, sent in, you know, a letter to Harley and they responded back to him about some different locations and Gainesville was one. He saw potential in Gainesville that, you know, with the college town and uh, that it had potential to grow from where it was, which obviously since then it's grown so much, you know, it's so awesome to see. And uh, yeah, so we moved down here and started the dealership and you know, here we are today. So. Do you have any idea what like the the process of starting a Harley Davidson dealership was like for your you know for your dad? Like what what how, how much money it took? Like, yeah, what, what so were the steps? you know, Do again you back then, man, so much different than it would be on today's sure. level. Um, you know, Harley now has certain thresholds that you have to be at um, personal wise, or you know, in order to even move forward in the application process. Um, 
to where back then they were honestly like if somebody wanted to you know be in and i mean you you still had some money back in you but um it didn't have to be anything near what it is today and um it was a struggle i mean it took over two years um from them sending the first what, letter to harley real quick, what year like about what year was that so yeah. if we moved here in 92 so that was probably like in 89 90 okay. is when they sent the first letter um and when i say they him and my mom you know sent a letter basically to harley about who they were and why they would make a good fit to be a part of the harley davidson family and you know and then it took some back and forth back and forth and so they had to sell themselves know. oh yeah for sure for sure okay. I mean, you always got to do that right do they have to pay for the first bikes with cash or do you remember mm, i'll be honest colin i'm not 100 percent on that but i'd say no um there's no way <laughs> call your parents let's get them on the podcast right now. <laughs> tell, tell them the air uh you know it's uh I, it's it's so funny because of the things I mean, just like reflecting back on 15 years of new scooters for less and the fact that I remember like, you know, paying cash for those first handful of bikes and then right. you establish some credit and then you get a flooring line. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it's cool to see to see how it builds. So I'm super interested in that, yeah, how that I process mean, was like both in my parents, 1990. Um, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, so she stayed with us. My dad, you know, he worked for the, he was a military guy, worked for the government. Um, you know, I know obviously, I know for sure they had to borrow quite a bit of money from different friends or relatives in order to, you know, get this going. And, um, you know, luckily they did and it started and it went well. And so they were able to pay all that back pretty quickly. So, so did you grow up like in the dealership where you were like uh, run, you know, a run, running around the it, floor or what? That's funny because we, so if you guys know where the dealership is right off of 39th and I-75, you know, exit 390. So there's a neighborhood right down the road from there called Countryside and it's on the northwest side of town. And it literally, I think, was the only neighborhood over kind of that way, like when we moved here. And so I could ride my bicycle up to the dealership. And, you know, as a, as a, in sixth grade, I did quite a bit. And I mean, didn't have much else to do, right? Get out of school and head up to the dealership and hang out. And, but once it came into high school, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. let's be honest, man, Harley wasn't the coolest thing in the world. You know, that wasn't like. Really? It really wasn't, man. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't wear a Harley shirt to school. Are you serious? No way. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> no way. Yeah, all through high school, man, even, you know, barely ever, uh, you know, wear that. I, I worked at the dealership, you know, but working in the, you know, clothing department or back in service washing bikes or something like that, you know, it, uh, it really wasn't until I was about to get out of high school. My dad said, all right what are you gonna do? Like, you're gonna do something. You're either going to the military, you're going to some kind of school, you're doing something. I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't the best kid in high school, you know? I mean, I graduated, but, uh, you know, I, I might've skipped a little more than I should have, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I decided to go to MMI, which is Motorcycle Mechanics Institute, uh, down in Orlando, Florida, which that's a trade school. Um, it's basically a year-long trade school and uh got out of that man and you know i was 19 when i got out of that and just started working so did you find that experience valuable oh, it was amazing man yeah it was amazing it's i cool. mean the so the what i learned when i was 18 and 19 in motorcycle mechanics now granted i came back and then also became a technician so i was working on bikes and you know doing all that but that education of being kind of like you know ground level 
has helped me so much even today to where I can intelligently talk about my product and what it does. Now, granted, I haven't been a technician in quite some time, so I'm not 100% up on all the new technology, and but I still understand how it works. You know, I still understand how a motor works and how transmission works and if something fails, why it fails, you know, so yeah. it's been amazing. It's crazy because like I feel, I've learned so much of that stuff just from shadowing our techs here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Just getting back there and actually just watching them do it and, yeah. and asking them questions and and we actually have one that went to MMI too. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I I think I'm one of the best damn mechanics here. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you not say true. so yourself, not, not, if I say so myself, <laughs> uh, not true at all. Uh, so so did your parents pay you when you were in high school working? Uh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't much, but, but <laughs> I, I believe so. <laughs> they did help me going through MMI. They did help me quite a bit. I mean, I, I actually worked at Orlando Harley-Davidson uh, while I was going to MMI as a wash guy. Um, so I would go to school. You know, school started at 7 in the morning or something. I got out at noon, and then I'd go to Orlando Harley and work the rest of the day as, as a wash guy. I just, you know, regular old washing bikes and – yeah you know sweeping floors and doing all that stuff but that was a great experience too to be out of my parents dealership and being in you know just a different place different management you know those people that you know that i wasn't their son so they're like yeah whatever man <laughs> you know i mean was it kind of in your parents mindset like uh you know hey kevin might take over the dealership one day? I mean, was that something that they wanted? Was there like this family pressure? That it doesn't I, sound like they pushed you yeah, that did they, direction. Did they kind of push you that direction? Or was it very much like, hey, whatever Kevin wants, decides he wants to do with his life, we're, we're Yeah, totally I mean, game. it definitely was never pushed towards that way, of course. I mean, you gotta think when we moved here, um, you know, in, in that summer, 92, open 93, my parents were so busy trying to get that business off the ground. I mean, I was in sixth grade, right? So I didn't have a lot of, there was only a little bit of help I could do to help them get to that point. Um, but it, you know, it, it consumed them as, as people. I mean, they were working pretty much seven days a week. Um, you know, my mom went from being stay-at-home mom to working pretty much every day. And she did some work before that, so it's not like she was just staying at home. But again, to where it was full-time, working every day, and, you know, really pushing hard to get to to where they went. So, and then, you know, um, right after I got out of MMI, like three months later, that's when my dad passed. Mm, um, yeah, he died in an accident. And um, so that was like a huge, you know, I was 19, just freshly okay. back from uh, MMI, really. Literally, I worked with my dad for three months, passed away. And then, of course, our whole family was just kind of throwing and, you know, it was just, it was just crazy, man. You know, he was a matriarch. He's the one that really started the business or really had the push to start it. You know, so it was just, it was a tough transition, you know, from there moving on. But... And you were um, 19 at the time, you said? Yeah, I was 19. Um, I'm 38 now, and I've been running the dealership as far as, you know, being the main guy, you know, for the last, like, 10 years or so. So okay. I was, like, 28. when. So it took about 10 years from after my dad died to me taking over, truly taking over. When you did know? you, like, realize that, all right, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up to this plate, and I'm going to... Probably be the president of this baby. Probably, uh, honestly, man, like, you know, 
it was it was after I got back from MOI, but then especially after my dad passed, it really I was just like I I have to be here for my family if I want this to move forward. And even though I wasn't hundred percent in charge, it still. I mean, again, I, I had to work with, you know, all the different managers or general managers, you know, that, that were around. So How many people were around during that time? Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, you know, our employee level, I mean, is anywhere from, you know, 25 to now we're almost like at 40 employees now. So, okay. Dang. Um, you know, it's always been quite a few. I've always had a general manager and, you know, we have a sales manager, finance manager, motor clothes, parts, you know, so. So you wouldn't wear a Harley shirt when you were in high school. Correct. So when did Harley become, become cool enough to wear the t-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess when I was going to MMI, cause then, you know. Is that when you started wearing the t-shirt? Yeah, I mean, going there, you know, I mean, that's what we were all there for, you know, is motorcycling. I mean, it was, MMI is not just Harley, obviously it's, uh, you know, it's all brands, so. Right. Um, when did Harley yeah. really get that brand, though? Because it is, it's an iconic American brand, yeah. right? I mean, when did it really reach that level? Do you remember? 1903, I believe, Colin. 1903? <laughs> you wouldn't wear the t-shirt in night? I mean, that's when, when it, it, is that when it was no. established? Yeah, 1903. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I'll be honest, like I, don't, like, I don't know the history of Harley, so that's yeah. when the company was founded? Yes, 1903, 1903 yeah. And you wouldn't wear the t-shirt in 1990-something? Yeah, 1999, 2000, yeah. Okay. What t-shirt were you wearing? I'm just yeah, curious. Yeah, 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 what were you uh, wearing? Uh, you guys know, probably some Tommy Hilfiger, uh, uh, <laughs> some Billabong. Billabong, okay. You know. oh, I was... Like Primus or something. I don't Stussy. know. Stussy. <laughs> Stussy. Yes, I remember the Stussy. Uh, that's funny. So you took over. I mean, what was the process like? Of I mean, was your mom running it at that point? Like, you or? know, my mom's never been manager, manager type okay. um, lady. She's always been. I mean, hundred percent office numbers, running the checkbook, making sure everything's going right. So. When my dad passed, there was already a guy in place as a GM, general manager, and um, you know worked with him for a couple of years and worked with another guy for a couple of years, and then I ended up taking over after that. So it was, I'll be honest, man, it, was, uh, it wasn't the easiest transition. Um, for me being young, you know, which a lot of my fault being young and, and not really realizing like really what it takes to run that big of a business, you know, and sure thinking that I could maybe do it um, even before I could, but. And uh, even like team members being like, oh, saying, here, here, those, those like, relationships. Yeah, like, like here I am as the general manager, or I've been, you know, I've been, a, you know, part of this dealership for a while and now the, the owner's son is, you know, stepping into the, the throne, yeah. <laughs> if you will. Like, yeah. I mean, what was the perception? I gotta think that that was a challenge. It was part of it, you know, but I have, you know, at least I feel, and I mean, I know that I, I've held respect um, within, you know, my peer group at work, just because I, I, you know, I mean, you gotta work hard and you gotta show what you can do, you know. I'm, you know, I'm not the guy that's gonna show up and tell you to do something. I'm the guy that's gonna show up and I'm gonna clean the toilet and then say, see, this is how you do it. Right. You know, and next time when you do it, do it like this, you know, and so that's what, you know, that's how you earn the respect, especially when you're younger, you know, you, you have to do that. <laughs> you know, it's so funny, just even, even hearing you say that, you know, I, there's been times even this year where I've shown up 
and seeing you know all the guys like unloading the containers and stuff containers of scooters and and i'm just thinking to myself you guys have no idea <laughs> right. you have no idea how many of those containers i've emptied yeah. by, by myself right <laughs> by hand by hand with no forklift with no forklift yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> right. like, like yeah you guys have no idea and it's you know it's it's funny to to think that you, you know and i think that's the case with virtually every entrepreneur you know you're not um you're not too big to do the dirty jobs. Like you're, no. you know, you're not, you're never gonna ask somebody to do something that you haven't already done yourself or would be willing to do yourself. Like right. that's that's just part of it. Yeah. I um, think that's a big thing, you know, and, it, and it's easy to say, right? A lot, I hear, you know, you hear different people saying that, a lot of people say that, but when you truly do it, you know, it, it does make a big difference. Um, just moving forward with one, so you know how to do it so that you're not like out there yelling at the guys like, hey man, you're not doing that right. <laughs> and they're like, dude, this is the only way to unload the truck. You know, you actually know this is how you unload the truck and this was what works, this is what doesn't, you know. So, you know, it's big to do those, those kind and of sometimes things. Sometimes those things change too. It's like you, you think about it the way you used to do it and you don't realize the challenges that they're doing it now with, you know, right. whatever they may face. And, and sometimes that's the thing that like opens up my eyes is like I think about it the way I did it 10 years ago and now I'm doing it with them and I'm like, oh, this is, I usually think it's, it's easier now, but like a lot of times it's like, wow, you have to face the stuff that I never had to deal with. So it kind of puts you in that perspective of yeah. doing that struggle with them, which is always... I don't know, interesting. Yeah. But. So getting back to, to the story, your parents, they start, mm -hmm. they started it when? What was the date? Uh, February of 93. 93. Yep. So 2019. Yeah, it was 26 you took years over, ago. You became president when? Well, I, I just most recently became president. Oh, okay. I actually was general manager um, for, for almost 10 years. And then I just hired uh, my first general manager working under me about six months ago. Okay, so so what's it like now, like stepping into this role of like president, you know, this leadership responsibility? I mean, you've you you're responsible for this iconic brand. You have this dealership that's been around for years, yeah, and has you know grown here in the Gainesville community and has done a lot for the Gainesville community. So thank you for that. Um, but what's it like stepping into into that? You know, it's been great. It's been um, one of the best transitions in the last six months. Um, you, you know, I, I really, you know, I did a good job growing the business by myself for six, seven years. And then I didn't do a good job at growing the business for about two or almost three years to where I was trying, but I was taking on too much and I was just spinning my wheels, spinning my wheels. Every day I'd go in and, all right, we're going to try this today. We're going to do this today. And though we're still profitable and still doing, you know, I mean, you know, still all right, but just not going in the direction I wanted to. And I mean, it took a long time to, I don't, I don't want to, I don't say that, you know, I admit it was defeat or whatever. I just was like, you know what? I need help. I have to have help if mm. I want to move forward. And, you know, I think it's a lot, you know, why you hired Michael or why you brought Michael on, right? I mean, you can only keep going so far, so far, you know, by yourself. And if you want to keep going, then that's, you know, 
Not, I mean, it's, that's not actually true. You just brought me on so we could blame you when things like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's every, everybody. Like, this knows could that. be way better. It's <laughs> your fault. Oh, what, what, what they does that was your fault the other day. I'm like, oh, I'm sure that's your fault oh, too. I mean, if you really want to know, it was the Games Sun Awards. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll talk about that on a different oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we we didn't win this year's best of the best, and I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's your fault. <laughs> I, I see you. We calling uh, it CEO. We'd won the last what, four years in a row. Yeah, when I was CEO, we. Right. Won the last <laughs> the last several years and then all of a sudden all of a, a sudden of, michael's a CEO, and we don't get best of the best of gainesville for the gainesville sun right but I, I like sure your i like your right. reason it's better right. it's just not my reality no. ah, that's great oh man yeah but again man it was just you know it was just time if if we wanted to keep moving forward it was time to uh you know make a change and the change i made was replace myself you mm, know i didn't interesting i didn't replace uh I didn't replace my sales manager, right? Replace me, though I'm still, you know, there and still over everything. But you know, now I have, you know, just more boots on the ground, and it's been a, an amazing last six months. Yeah. Did that GM? Did you promote from within, or did you did you seek one out? Did you hire from outside? Like, how did that happen? Ooh, great question. Yeah. So I did go outside. Um, you know, again for those two years of of kind of going flat. I, I didn't feel like I had anybody internally that was there because I, I felt if I did, that person would have already kind of shown it themselves hurts, yeah. or, and so, yeah, I went outside and, uh, found somebody, you know, never knew before. And, um, his name's Paul and he's just, he's been great, man. It's how long, awesome. how long was that process? To, to, to start right to finish yeah to like go out and like really search for that person and i'm, I'm sure he wasn't was just future harley gms.com like what did you like <laughs> yeah what was so that? that's a key like, role right i mean oh it was huge yeah, so yeah. i mean um, um so i went out to an outside recruiter that um you know facebook is a great tool business tool and i've known this guy on facebook i've never met him in person but i know that he's a recruiter for power sports industry not just harley davidson or and so you know I, I it took me a long time to just call him you know it took me a long time just to make that phone call and i finally did and you know he sent me over four applicants and i phone interviewed all four of those applicants and i really liked one this guy was in california so it's not like i can just drive over and meet him you know he can't drive over and meet me and so you know another several phone calls phone calls phone calls he finally flew out spent the weekend with me and my family you know we took him out to dinner and he spent time at the dealership incognito like i told everybody he was a, a harley rep or something to where you know <laughs> nice. so that they didn't suspect anything you know because sure. if that word gets out sometimes in a business it can kind of backfire on you you know absolutely um, and, and they didn't know that you were looking to make that move anyway? They did not, okay. no. No, again, you know, in certain situations, maybe you can let that be known, but, you know, a lot of times you can't because, again, if that if it turns on you, then you're really in a bad spot. Sure. So, um, yeah, and he decided to come out, man, and, again, it's been great. great so what was... I mean, at that point when you had made that decision, mm -hmm. what was the response from, like, the team... Um, exactly what I would thought. My my core people that I knew were my core people were down, and they're like, "Yeah, let's roll, man." I know you're making this decision to better us and the dealership, and the people that weren't, because they're they're not there. 
you know they're they've already weeded themselves out we mm-hmm. we literally might have let go of one or two people and the rest of them just left on their own you know once i saw the direction we were going they were like peace see you later mm-hmm. and it was like good man. <laughs> yeah. see you later that's so you interesting know? yeah it was a. Uh, it, it really was too, because I mean, I know you guys know, you know, working in a business, you become family, friends For sure. with all those people you work with because you're with them. I mean, if not more, at least the same with your family, you know? So, more. There's yeah. No, there's no doubt that right. it's more. Right. I agree. I mean, you're with them all the time, you know, six, seven days a week sometimes. And um, so it's hard, you know, it's a, it's a harder decision to, to move on from them sometimes, but you know, again, you got to do what's uh, what's best for you or what's best for your family or your business sometimes, you know? Yeah. Let me, uh, let me ask you something really when it comes, when it kind of comes down to the different uh, departments, right? Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean when I'm saying like, <laughs> we could get into shop talk, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Because I mean, one of the things I'll, I'll, be straight up. I mean, I actually feel it's much better. Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but since we moved to the to the new dealership, like here at this location, it's been much better. Um, but you know, for the for the longest time, I I felt like it was very much a sales versus service mm. department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, invisible wall. Yeah, yeah, the invisible wall. Very much like hey, different, almost like different cultures, uh, almost like different companies in in a way, and it was. Uh, very difficult to to bridge those departments and make everybody realize like, hey, we're one team, we're unified, we're trying to accomplish the same mission and the vision for this company. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just us, but like, is that something that you guys have seen over the course of you know your years as a dealership? Well, I mean, or? I think Colin, you know, I've been going to uh, different groups, you know, advisor groups, performance groups for you know quite a few years 15 plus years you know different um dealerships from all across the country obviously only harley dealerships i haven't been in anything is that like a resource that's available to you guys yes really yeah like through harley it's through harley and then there's also several other independent companies that do it as well Um, that's legit yeah i'm surprised i mean they might I would be surprised if they don't have something for your industry or even you could jump in a, 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 the more a motorcycle one, I would think. That, but Invite me to your Harley one, bro. Let's go. Yeah, right? <laughs> Big guest. You would, you would dig it, man. I know just I know how you are. You would. But um, so that's always been a thing. Sales, service, right? Clash, clash, clash. But so that's one thing I've me coming from service. I've always been able to bridge that gap really quick. That's great. You know, just to make sure you know in a harley dealership service has to understand that sales is their best customer because sales is one we're pushing used bikes through we're pushing new bikes through with accessories and you know you got to fix this used bike and really if you really want to go invoice for invoice i guarantee you the sales department puts more money in your department (laughs) than you know a regular customer base does and you know that might be different in your business i'm not sure but um that's how I've always been able to get them to mesh. Well, so this is going to be completely um, for me. And I don't really care, <laughs> care what our listeners think at this point. Uh, how much of your business is service? Like what percentage? 
All right, so sales, you know, if, if you look at who pays the bills, sales is probably about 55%. So I would put service roughly at say 25-ish percent okay. of, of our business. Okay, that's interesting. I mm-hmm. thought it would have been higher. Yeah, no, 25 to 30% maybe comes from, from service. And then, you know, we have parts and uh, motor clothes. and Which would you know. be what percentage? Well, let's see if we're at 55. Oh, 55 is sales? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sales is, you know, by far majority. So, you know, motor clothes isn't a huge part of our business as far as revenue, but it's a huge part to bring people in. Mm-hmm. Now I know that that's become more of a struggle, obviously, with online sales really, I mean, not that it's anything new, but online sales, of course, is huge, right? Because I, mean, I can go buy the Harley shirt on Amazon, is that why? Or on Harley.com. Okay. I mean, you don't have to come into the store to get it anymore. Sure. You know, um, we do sell some clothes on Amazon as far as licensed Harley product, uh, but you have to do it, right? I mean, Harley can't not sell online. I mean, it'd be dumb not to. So, right. you know, that's a struggle to still get people into the store and motor clothes has always been a big driver of that. You know, is that, I mean, do you feel like that's like, doesn't benefit the dealership though? I mean, is that is that like the the distributor, like Harley Davidson? Is mm-hmm. that them selling that? Yes, and they're getting mm-hmm. that revenue, and their dealerships are not. They do do a profit share with it, though. So oh, we get a, a tiny percent of it. Say, you know, say we get fifteen percent of the margin or ten percent. This is literally the dealership guy in me who is having a field day with this information right, 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 right <laughs> now. Like right. it's super interesting to me because I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting. That right. all right? So Harley gives you a little piece of the action. Which they don't have to, right? Right. They right. don't and have that's, to. That's what I try to tell my peers. They don't have to give us anything. So for them to give us a little bit is better than nothing. And you have to be online right now. You have to be online. I mean, a consumer today is shopping online. For I sure. Mean, I don't care who you are, you know. It's interesting. So I think, I mean, you you can correct me if your data is different. Mm-hmm. I'm not the most data-driven person on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say- seven, That's reason number two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 70%, I would say 70% of our business is sales. sales. And 30 service, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was actually gonna say 20% yeah. service uh, with the other 10% being well, we storage to, yeah, and other Storage stuff. is a huge part. I think a lot of that goes to our, our service overhead because it's the service guys that are doing it. But you're, but you're right. Okay. Uh, and rentals used to be a portion of that. Of course I'm right. Anyway. Yeah. No, you're, you're, Have I ever for, been wrong? For a year, for a year out, you're not too far off. <laughs> I, I mean, it's fascinating. It's really cool just to kind of compare. Then, like, I know it's completely different products. Um, not but really, just, though, man. I mean, I, I mean, I mean it's two-wheeled really, cycles, but I mean, we're similar. Yeah, it's similar. It, and it's been cool. Like, I've been honored to have to just be able to go in and shout. I've shadowed you guys before. Yeah. I've kind of like sat in your service department, kind of just watched the way you operate, which I think has been really, really cool. Right. Um, you know, which doesn't really happen with a whole bunch of places, you know what I mean? But it also feels like, from a sales perspective, I mean, you're a marketing genius, I'll I'll give you that credit. But from from sales, sales is not that hard, but as we go go through the industry, uh, we were just at AIM Expo last month, or six weeks ago, like, service is always everybody's bugaboo. Oh, for sure. Always, that's the most questions, that's the round tables that everyone has the most uh, struggles. How do you pay your techs? Where do you recruit them from? What software do you use? How do you structure, you know, it's, it's, that's everyone's problem, it seems. And, and, even if you've actually mastered sales or just think you've mastered sales, like sales, you know, it, it's, for the most part, it's the biggest revenue driver for most people's business, but service is always the, the headache. 
it's a, it's a necessary evil. It seems See, in the it, industry. It's funny you say that because that's what Harley people used to say ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and you know what? Where everybody always says is that the motorcycle industry is twenty years behind the car industry, and you know the service is definitely not it it's you have to have it it's not a necessarily evil it can be a good product uh, or a, a good producer income producer but you know it just has to be managed right and um you know you, you just like any department you have to have the right manager in place to understand customer service and that's huge especially mm-hmm. in service you know everybody always thinks that they're getting the run around or Oh, I really have an ale in my tire, and no, we just put it in when you came in, man. You know, that's not what we do, right? Yeah. I mean, because everybody's had that experience before somewhere else, right? And, and that's the thing, and, and we've talked about it on the podcast before, is is having to fight that uh, reputation that the industry has set, independent of maybe how you run your company and how we run ours. Right? People walk in and they don't want to be treated like a you know a used car salesman, right. and they don't want to be sure. lied to. Like uh, I won't say the name, but you know the the drive up oil change shop. Yeah, where they tell you you got to change your blinker fluid. You yeah, know, like, <laughs> right. it's, it's, that, that's the that's the example, right? Uh, but the blinker fluid. People people have had those bad experiences, <laughs> and then so they walk into a dealership that that's honest to god trying to do it right, but they still fear that result. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, it's just it's so hard to overcome. But I don't know. I mean, we've we've struggled with it. And we still face it. We still face it on a daily basis. I mean, I could literally tell you two instances today. I won't, but like where people just like they, no one wants to give you the benefit of the doubt as a business. And it's like, no, look, this is legitimately what's going on. But like, right. I don't, I don't want you to doubt me. So, so what do we need to do here? You know? Yeah. What do I need to do for you to trust me? Yeah. And that's what it takes a lot of times though, too, is whether it's, you know, myself or my general manager, my service manager, really sit down and talk with somebody and be like, look man this is not we're not trying to do you know we're not trying to take advantage of you man and this, yeah, uh, trying to, to make sure you have a safe machine not to be a humble road. brag but usually I'll, I'll ask people you know hey like so there's a lot of options out there when you when you decided to buy your scooter from us why, why did you choose us what is oh that? because because I googled it and you guys had good reviews so I was like yeah those didn't come by accident man. right, like, <laughs> right. Like we, we try really hard to do that and we wouldn't still be in business today if we weren't concerned about what our reputation is and if we weren't doing right by people so like yeah I still get that this situation, whatever, maybe sucks for you. So let's talk about how we can make this better. But like, I'm not out to get you, you know? Right. Uh, no doubt. It's good stuff, man. Yeah. It's good. So let me, uh, let me, I'm going to change gears just a little. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I like you like that pun. Mike's a pun guy. Right, let me change gears just a little bit here. Um, I mean, look, like Harley Davidson is a, I, like I said, <clears throat> iconic, iconic American brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, what goes through your mind when it really comes to like the next generation of writer, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, there's been, I, I've even seen it within, you know, the some of the stuff that we're involved in. And, you know, I had the, the honor of going to AIM Expo, which I think I told you about. I went you to did, AIM Expo, yeah, we, I got paid to speak mm-hmm. on stage, which is like, Amazing! Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'm getting paid to go speak now. This is this is incredible. Um, entering a whole new chapter in my entrepreneurial <laughs> career. Um, but you know, one of the things that constantly comes up is yeah. marketing, right? Yeah. And and appealing to the millennial mm-hmm. generation, right? And then and hell, 
millennial generation. Let's talk about Generation Z, right? Like these, they're entering um, the, you know, they're they're growing they're up. commanding the purchase power. I mean, <laughs> they're, like, yeah, they're the ones exactly. that are the the highest percentage of, of buying power in the markets now. Exactly. Right. So, what types of things are you seeing with with Harley particularly um, that's appealing to that generation? And, and like, what goes through your mind as a dealership uh, president um, yeah. when it comes to marketing to millennials and Generation Z? Um, and you know. If you would define what are you, millennials, what age group are you really hitting as far as what's the... I consider myself a millennial. Mm-hmm. I'm on like, I'm, I, I, I'm 1982. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. 81. Ca- 81. I think mm-hmm. it was like technically like 80. You guys are right there. We, yeah, we kind of fit to... like right in between the generations, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we're on like the early end of the millennial generation. Right. Um, but, but now like the college students are generation Z, right? Mm-hmm. What's the year technically? Does anybody know? Technically, it to go by decade. Decade, so by decade. So, like, 1999 and before are all technically still millennials. 99 yeah, and, then and previous. Okay, so 2000 on is, is, is Gen Z. Yeah. Gen Z, okay. Yeah, it's all a little bit different. I've totally and that's why it. I asked, just because right. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, every, you know, everything Let's just say millennial and Generation Z. Like, what is what have you seen well, um, in I the mean, changes with Harley-Davidson and even from a marketing standpoint? Yeah, I mean, Harley in general, obviously, they just came out with the live wire motorcycle, which is, a, you know, 100% electric, um, you know, motorcycle that... They are the first company to really come out with a true production, you know, electric motorcycle. But I mean, that motorcycle is thirty grand. You know, I mean, mm. is that going to appeal to the twenty-one-year-old? I mean, you might think it's cool, but chances are he's not going to be able to buy it. Now, I would say, Colin, me and you are in that range to where we're getting to that point where, all right, you know, maybe a lot of us, a lot of our peers, could afford that bike, you know, and think it's cool and it's different. You know, it's not the regular old Harley. It's a lot Davidson. of money, though. It is. It is. Don't get me wrong. And but I mean, it's, it's the same, same people that are buying Tesla. Well, well, so stuff. about the Vespa that we have, that's electric. Seventy five hundred dollars. Seventy five hundred yeah. bucks. I mean, that's like for something that tops for, out at there. How fast does the Harley go? Yeah. I mean, it's hun- over a hundred. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. So at least, like, I mean, ours is a. I mean, sorry, it's, it's a glorified fifty cc scooter. It's a thirty mile per hour, seventy five hundred dollar Vespa. Yeah. That's right. a tough. That's a tough. That's a beautiful bike, but it's a tough sell. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, they have that. They just, you know, they've been talking about they're putting out uh, an adventure touring bike. They're putting out more of a sport bike. You know, so they have different models coming out that should appeal to a different type of rider. Um, I am honestly on the impression, I might not be the most popular opinion, that we still have a lot of new riders entering the market at 40, 50 years old. That, okay. Yeah, they didn't start riding at 20, you know, so they're they're now just you know getting to the point in their lives where they can afford a motorcycle you know or afford a harley or whatever you want to say you know Mm. have that income or have the time to do it so how many motorcycles will you sell in a year uh we average around 700 uh this year we'll probably do closer to eight okay you know we got a little bit of growth going so that's, well, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's always a that's good. No guarantee. Growth is always good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I mean, even really talking about the live wire. So, how many of those bikes would you stock? Would you say? Well, right now, um, we're actually in phase two of the live wire. They originally released it, released it to major metro, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, 
Minnesota, or I'm sorry, um, Minneapolis, you know. So we'll be phase two. I mean, in all honesty, how many will we sell? I mean, I, ho- I would hope we could sell, you know, maybe one every month or so, so 12. Okay. You know? I mean, I don't does, see it does, being a- Is it irritating that they re- release it to the major metro first? Mm, not necessarily, no. Okay. I mean, it's a okay. big... Infin- just, these are personal <laughs> curiosity <laughs> questions, literally. It's my podcast, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> Does Harley make you carry them? Or do you, do you say, hey, I think there might be some interest here, so I'm going to stock X amount? Well, the first phase was they told you whether could or couldn't. Second phase, you can opt in or opt out, but of course we opt in. You know, anything that Harley does as a company, I'm going to try to help support, so... That's cool. You know, we do have e-bikes coming out. I know that comes against some of the Dude, stuff. I'll crush, I'll crush your face. Don't even. I mean, we're, let's. Oh, are we about to get competitive here? Oh, good. Like everybody who's listening, like think about the value that this podcast has brought you and buy an e-bike from me. Screw Harley. I would. If you want an iconic, true American, <laughs> iconic brand, I would come to Gainesville Harley. <laughs> So you guys, so Harley, that's super interesting to me. So Harley is going to bring in e-bikes. Yeah, I mean, they already have it where we need to sign up now for it and Okay, like electrical bicycles, pedal bicycles. Correct. Okay, and I mean, is the thought process here like, okay, we're going to introduce people to two wheels that has some sort of electric motor Mm -hmm. and then then evolve them into a Harley Davidson? Is that the thought process here? I mean, I I think it's part of it, but I think it's also just realizing that as a brand, we need to kind of shift outside of our comfort zone and, you know, make some different product that we've never made before. And whether somebody buys a Harley bike, I mean, the one thing that they know buying that is its quality and the dealer network that supports it is, I mean, one of the best in the world as far as customer service goes, you know, warranty goes, I mean. I understand that part. So I, I think that's part of it, you know. You know, it, it's funny because I, I re- literally released a video today on my social media channels uh, where I was speaking to a group of students and I mean, the the thumbnail literally said evolve or die. Right, I probably said <laughs> right? that five times today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean like these are, these are things that are very common in our world. And so it's it's super interesting to see a brand like Harley Davidson really embrace that and understand right. the importance of getting riders on yeah. uh, two wheels early. I'll t- right. take it one step further and say that uh, when we were in Vegas at AIM Expo last year, I'm sorry, but Harley was the, the person, the, the, the distributor that everybody was badgering because they were slow to change. Right. It was, what are the, what is Harley? Don't be like Harley who's not gonna evolve. Harley's gonna go out of business because they're not willing to to cater to these millennials or they're not willing to evolve. They're just stuck being Harley. Right. Um, that was that was 2018 AIM Expo. That really? was, that was a lot of what that. people were saying. And, okay. and that wasn't the case a month ago. And to, just to even hear that they're, you know, coming out with e-bikes and stuff like that, it's like, okay, well, somebody got the message. I don't know who it is, but somebody got the message well, along the way that- And obviously that something bike to pay attention didn't just to. come out this year. I mean, it's been in yeah, development R&D for, for sure. Yeah. We, you need we do an, have a scooter listen, coming listen, out. Listen, listen, everybody. If you need an e-bike, <laughs> visit New Scooters, New Scooters for Less at 633 Northwest 13th Street, Gainesville, Florida, 32601. Phone number is 352-336-1271. We have great e-bikes over here for all of those that are evolving into the next... <laughs> and not dying. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, uh, I mean, dude, I mean... 
<laughs> this is, uh, I love this. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, this is this is great. Let's just. I mean, let's just keep going. All right. So e bikes. E bikes is in. This is. What, so do you have them now? You don't have them now. No, they just want us right now to sign up as a dealer and. You know, it, it's not, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the, this is the first, you know, wave of it that they're bringing out. And profit margin isn't really where I think a dealer would want it to be. And then you can buy them online and then the dealer gets some credit to it. So, I mean, we'll see where it really you know, goes. And you so know. that's super interesting because, you know, one of the things that I've been asked about a bunch this year mm-hmm. are like the e-share scooters. Yeah. You've mm-hmm. seen those that are like, they're, they're taking over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're hitting all the major markets. You're talking um, about like the Lime. Lime yeah, yeah, Lime, uh, what's the other one? Spur, yeah, yeah. you know, like these, mm-hmm. these companies. Um, and we've thought about like, you know, one selling them, like selling the scooters, but then, but then I get, get caught in this place of like, okay, like, does that make sense for us? Like, why would somebody, you know, when they're really comparing, they're just, well, why not just go to Amazon and buy it? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So there's definitely a, a tough, you know, call there as to, as to what, as to even if we should carry them. Yeah. Um. You know, and then uh, yeah, of course, like I 100. Ex- 100% expect them to hit the Gainesville market. And what what is that going to do? What's that gonna do to the scooter business? Yeah, right. Like, I, to be true, to be completely honest, like, I've been keeping an eye on them since January, January of 2018 of when yeah. they first came out. I was like, oh, yeah. this is interesting. And I remember even talking to some of our distributors and being like, what do you guys think about this? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are very much like, Stands flash no the, chance. Flash in the pan. Yeah. Stands yeah, right. no chance. Eight months later, two billion dollar company. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and you go to one of the big cities and ride them, yeah, and they're yeah, pretty cool. They're you pretty know? cool. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and I and I honestly don't know. And so, like, but I'm I'm definitely one of the entrepreneurs. I will die on my own sword if 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 I decide not to evolve into that, and mm-hmm. it ends up like destroying new scooters for us. Right. So be it. So Michael's like, out of a I, job. You know? right. <laughs> it, it, it's his fault. He he didn't make the moves. He as CEO didn't make the moves necessary. Right. To make it no, but uh, likely I get to ghostwrite the book. So. <laughs> That'll be. Oh wow! Well, okay, okay, I got the book. Now, yeah. Rebecca's ghostwriting the book. <laughs> Rebecca, great job on the Christmas decorations. By the way, they do look nice. Um, you know, so but but we live in in a evolve or die world and. and Hear me out right now. Facets, Hear me out right now. If for some reason like we don't evolve and one of our companies, you know, whether it's New Scooters for Less, Repaint, this podcast, or anything else dies, like it will be because we did not evolve. I and agree, so man. it's so interesting uh, to hear you know, a company like Harley Davidson, an iconic brand, getting into electric bicycles for the first time. Right. You know, that's super interesting to me. So yep. I'm gonna be curious to see how that goes. I will absolutely crush your face. No, I see it. that's the thing. You, you joke about- I'll ride one over here. <laughs> you joke about the competition, but like right now, at least in our market, and, and I think I think in places other than- This is too much fun for me. Oh, geez. I love this. Oh, sorry. Go no, on. no, it's so that, the electric bike market hasn't really even been established in the United States. It definitely hasn't been established in Gainesville, so right. uh, there's going to be a time for competition, and that's good. But I think, I think by and large, it's it's not the most unhealthy thing to have somebody like that enter the market, help with creating the demand in our in our area, um, so that I mean, I assume that they're not going to even be the same price point. I mean, I, can you tell us what what they're going to retail at? Yeah, I think the base one is around twenty five hundred bucks, and okay. I think the highest end one is around five grand. Okay, um, and again, that's really preliminary, so I'm not a hundred on that. But are they being? 
manufactured in the United States? That I don't even know, Colin. Okay. I'll, I'll be honest. I missed the last couple uh, webinars about them and what what they're all about. So I just think we're in this like infancy <clears throat> stage with a lot of electric products, especially here in our market, which is the one I can speak to. That like anybody that can get out there, whether it's Harley, it's New Scooters for Less, that can grow that and, and put it in front of consumers, potential consumers' minds that these things exist and they can be solutions is a healthy thing. And then once you grow the turf, then you can start competing over the turf. But right, right now, we've got them, we've had them for a couple of years, but there's just no established market for them yet. Right. So I think- it, It's very much like the scooter market though. I mean, we have to establish the market. Back, back yeah. in like, oh, oh for, for when you started I mean, growing it. Hell, yeah. just to be honest, like we've we've talked about like the fact that we think we could actually put the scooter business out of business. Right. Yeah, you told <laughs> by, me that By marketing the them, right? I'm yeah. like, I'm like, hey, like if I, if we really oh, started- Oh, it be real fun. Yeah, just like, it's <laughs> like, maybe, like, maybe this, maybe this, like put, maybe like this podcast is the push that we need, right? Yeah. But like, I'm like, I'm like, look, look, the the bikes, they'll go, what, 15, 20 miles an hour? They'll go over 20. They're, they're gonna get yeah. you from A to B, mm-hmm. right? So, especially for a college student, all right? Boom, I, I, I've now saved you uh, $160 parking it on campus. Right. Because that's what a decal costs. When we started the business, it was 30 bucks to park a scooter right. on campus. Right. Now, 160, like we make the University of Florida over a million dollars on scooter parking alone. I nice. still have not seen my you cut. Seen one penny. Right. Like, literally zero dollars <laughs> from oh, that. Oh, that's no good. <laughs> right, so like, I mean, I'm just being honest, right? <laughs> right? So there's that, $160 for a parking decal for a scooter. Chuck's yeah. made payable to and CEO of new scooters for like <laughs> 633 Northwest 13. And and then like, I mean, you talk when you start bringing in title, registration, oh, you know, yeah. all that that kind of stuff, like that adds up. Yeah. Right? Like, dude, I've saved you 400 bucks buy an e-bike. You can yeah. travel 20 miles an hour, you can go from your apartment to campus, you can park it That's at the park, the bike rack and it's exactly what you need. Right. Um, I mean, I I have no shame and no fear in saying like if new scooters for less becomes new e-bikes for less right. we will 100% dominate yeah. <laughs> like we, we will do that I mean well, maybe I will, you can sell my product on your floor then listen, I mean hey, work that out <laughs> I don't, yes, I don't yes, know heard it here first I don't know these, these are the ideas this stuff just randomly I'll talk up on I'll podcast. talk with our corporate arm if you can talk with your corporate yeah, arm about yeah, making yeah. that happen <laughs> but I think there's probably in, more in red summary, tape on your end. <laughs> in summary, like evolve or die. I agree, man. And and I'm not gonna be, I mean, if any of my companies ever fail and ever die, like it will be because we did not evolve. Right. And it's super important in Changes 2019 inevitable. as we head into you 2020, it. it's, it's, it's key. Um, so before we wrap up, I really want to kind of dive in. You know, it, it's you. We share a, a commonality when it comes to creating this customer experience, right? Like mm-hmm. I think what you guys do in terms of creating an experience for um, your Harley Davidson customers is incredible. We try to do the the same thing here. Um, I've even seen. I mean, he would ha- he'll probably hate that I even like call them out on this, but I've seen my boy Jimmy who cuts like. I, I know you guys don't even realize this, but I actually have hair, and I actually <laughs> and I actually get it cut. But but Jimmy, uh, who who does the the styling of my hair, I mean, and a great guy. Like I've seen, I've actually seen him doing like Instagram stories from Harley Davidson, yeah, and like yeah, yeah. cleaning up, up people's beards, mm-hmm. like doing their hair. Like uh, I mean. You know the the events that you guys do. You guys do a lot of like, I mean, even like these uh, parades and you know go 
get a huge group and go driving around town like i mean this is well the most the one that's coming up that you know will be a little after this airs is bikers on parade right um which we've tried to get you guys involved with that um because it is a parade it's only 25 miles an hour so your the scooters could uh oh dude hardly people really hate driving at 25 miles an hour though or is it um you know the cops are blocking the lights for us it's it's really Mm -hmm. a cool thing and and it's really it's about what it's for you know would you put the scooters at the back or at the front let's like have an honest conversation if you you tell me you'll bring (laughs) 20 scooters you'll be at the front i was gonna say what do harley people in gainesville think about scooters in gainesville I mean, is there know, is there like animosity there? Like, I feel like there would be some kind of contempt, but may, I feel like there might be a lot of contempt by anybody. There's no the animosity. I will not wave to you if you're on a scooter. That, I, that's, that's I mean, I'm just I'm fair. Sorry. So this thing, like where everybody throws out the couple fingers out on the side, that yeah. won't happen if I'm on a scooter driving like, not, not on past a Harley. Not Probably on not. No. Unfortunately, I not. do notice that when I wear How? my full we can face work helmet, on that. Let's we can work, work on, on this. That. This is like a two cycle culture that we're establishing. I wait every time motorcycle. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, this is interesting stuff. I'm so I'm so honored. I'm so honored that it's airing out on this on this yeah, particular right? podcast. I mean, this is this is fantastic. Uh, uh, no, so I mean, but you guys really create a unique retail experience, and you do a lot of events. I mean, yeah, that's um, you, you know, you got to try to do that. I mean, I think you guys, you guys kill it too. Um, you know, it's about it's really when somebody comes in, right? I mean, nobody needs a motorcycle. Most people want one, so you got to make it to where they want to come there. They want to hang out. They want to have fun. And what we do, it's not fake. It's real. You know, we we love people having the excitement of riding and riding is so enjoyable and it's great to do with you know a spouse and friends you know it's just it's an awesome experience what what does uh this was something i was thinking about saving for the side hustle but i'm gonna go ahead and ask because you're talking about like creating that experience what is something that that maybe you guys do at gainesville harley to differentiate from other harley dealerships because i do know that like I always hear from from Lee, who's our chief of wisdom here at New Scooters for Less. I feel like you've probably met him uh, before, but he always talks he about- He's a Harley. Yeah, yeah. He, he's a Harley driver. Harley. He always talks about Kansas City as the mecca of Harleys. I think I'm getting that right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if I go on vacation anywhere, if it's a certain hot spot, he'll say, oh, you gotta pick me up a shirt from this specific Harley dealership, mm-hmm. uh, even though you can buy them online, Amazon, eBay, from the dealership itself, but like, no, I want one from, so there's these places that exist, so what does Gainesville Harley do to, to stand out uh, amongst uh, what's probably a crowded field of other Harley dealerships in the country? Right, I like that question, and, and I don't know if I can give you like the golden arrow that, that sets us apart. I mean, we're expecting that. Yes, yeah, so that's what I figured, so. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I really, I don't have that golden arrow to, to give you guys. Um, I'll give you three seconds to think of it. <laughs> what I can say Stop. is that, you know, it's, it's a truly culture thing in the dealership to make sure that everybody is on the same page when a customer comes in, whether it's nine o'clock in the morning, six o'clock at night, lunchtime, um, you got 20 other customers in front of you to make sure that, you know, that customer in front of you is the most important thing at that time and what you do to make their experience the best i mean it it pays off so is there anything that you do as a the leader to really kind of instill that into your team i mean how do you really you know i think i want to piggyback too and say do you hire that or do you teach that 
Yeah. A little bit of both. I mean, a little bit of both. Um, Some people you can hire with it. Some people you got to teach it to, you know. Um, But it is a culture thing. I mean, you can hire the best person in the world, but they don't really see it until they see it. And then they're like, oh, (laughs) that really works. Or, you know, people really dig that. So It's so interesting because... I mean, we're, you know, one, one, we're entering, entering a world where, you know, retail's in trouble. Yeah. You know, like retail's, Slightly. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, 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 it could be in trouble. Yeah, I don't think it's, um, it's teetering. It is. Yeah. It is teetering, you know, like there's, uh, I don't know, it's super interesting to me and I get, I absolutely get fascinated by thinking about you know, the customer experience, like what can we do as small businesses within a city to bring, you know, people with it into our dealership. Right. Um, and, and so I don't know, it's just, it's super fascinating for me to like really think through that process and really think about the customer's experience. Um, you know, the empathy there, you know. Wh- we struggle with automation too. I mean, we've even gone back and forth just to tell a quick thing. Like we've had a, on our phone system where you, you, talk to two different computers that tells you where to go before you actually get to a person. And then we decided, you know what, we're gonna take that back. We want yeah. you to talk to a real person. Right. right. But then on the flip side of that, it's like, if I have to order a pizza and I can't order it online, I'm going to the next <laughs> place. I don't wanna talk to a person. That's true, Like man. I get to a certain part where it's like, if you make me talk to a person, I'm gonna pick somebody else. Right. And whether that's age or social media or whatever, if our interpersonal skills are diminishing, we could talk forever about those kind of things. But I think that there's a certain truth to that where it's like, some level of automation is probably important because you do get a lot of people that just don't want a people. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. True. Dude, it's a crazy. It's just crazy to like. <laughs> so, so what do you? It's like what is that approach? You know, like how do you have the right balance of dedicated person-on-person customer service and also cater to the fact that some people just want stuff done. They, they want automation. They don't want to actually talk to somebody. They just really, they just want their problem solved. If it's pizza, if it's getting my scooter fixed, if it's whatever, scheduling an appointment for a haircut. Like if I have to pick up the phone and call somebody, I don't want to do it. I'd rather pay somebody to do it. Like right. I just don't want that skill or not the skill, but like that, that job of, of having to schedule that stuff which is me showing my most like flexing millennial muscle there. <laughs> but like I just, I've grown out of that. Like if I can't get online and schedule the appointment, I'm probably gonna pick somewhere else. Right. And it's weird. No, I don't know. No. <laughs> Evolve or die. Evolve or die. Right. <laughs> like I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's definitely an important lesson. Uh, I'm gonna leave it, I'm gonna leave it at that. Unless there's, I mean, do you have anything? Any no, any man. last words, any last, any questions for us as a, as a, a dealership as well? Uh, I don't think so, man. I really appreciate you guys having me. I think Dude, what you're doing is awesome, man. This was fun. Um, I didn't rag on you too much, right? Like, <laughs> you're all good, man. I mean, definitely compare uh, compare our e-bikes scooter, to their scooter e-bikes. Boy's worried about, <laughs> scooter Boy is ra- worried about ragging on the Harley guy. I love it. <laughs> you guys, Kevin's been a longtime friend of mine, somebody that I admire greatly. And um, and it's such a well-established, you know, it's really cool to see a brand like Harley Davidson, and not only that, but like a local Harley Davidson dealership um, be around as long as it has been. Like I said, I I look at the brand as iconic. I follow the brand on virtually every social media platform just because I'm interested in the things that they're doing. Right. Um, And 
and, and it's cool. It's cool to to know you. It's cool to be friends with you and well, to see the things that, that you're doing and, and and to talk shop and to be able to compare notes. Uh, it's a true honor for me. So so thank you for coming on to, to the show. Um, I will kick their ass when it comes to e-bike sales. <laughs> e-bike sales. Uh, we'll see. That's part about we'll that's part about videos that holds you accountable, right? It holds you. It holds you accountable. No, but um, but we're gonna dive into a little side hustle here. So. You guys, uh, I'm uh, I'm like gr- so grateful. This is de- what December second. Yeah. Um, co-hosting the the Chamber Awards this Wednesday again. Go buy your tickets if you haven't yet. Uh, uh, Kevin has to go use the bathroom, <laughs> so it's right there. It's that window right there. Awesome. <laughs> it's like, that, that's it's staying, like live TV. That's 100 staying in, my friend. Yeah. Um, but you guys like. 80, episode 82 and the feedback that we've received from virtually all of our listeners I, I'm just super grateful and so thank you um, and dude you're an amazing co-host too oh stop it <laughs> <laughs> so Gainesville world everybody thank you so much for listening to the WHOA GNV podcast the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals like Kevin that make you go <laughs> whoa. whoa we will see you later bye <laughs>